open your Bibles again to Isaiah chapter 6. Boy, that was good. Choir, you did a good job. That special was good. The congregational singing was good. The song leader did a good job. The instruments were a blessing. It's been good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord for his goodness. Notice, if you will, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. I have the word also circled. Notice the word, if you will. and That is the title of my message this morning, also. Also. Preacher, you're going to preach 30 minutes on one word? I am. Aren't you glad I ain't preaching on two words or three? <laughs> also. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word this morning. With all of my heart, I hunger to help your people in this week of life to bring honor and glory to you, to be successful in the life that you have given to them, in our marriages, and our families, our businesses, our work. Lord, we need your truth to guide us. I believe this is a guiding truth. I ask that you would help me as I preach it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Isaiah is a prophet at a very difficult time in the history of the nation of Israel. In fact, uh, Isaiah's message uh, was one of judgment. And uh, he loved his nation. He loved his nation very much. And he hurt. Uh, he wept. He hurt for uh, his nation. A prophet's ministry focuses on the present as well as the future. They tell forth the word of God as well as foretell the work of God. They preach the word of God for today and they use the future as a reminder or an illustration of why we need to serve God and do right today. True prophets are like good doctors. They diagnose the case, they prescribe a remedy, and then they warn the patient what will happen if the prescription is ignored. That's exactly what Isaiah did. He told them what was going to happen, what was happening, and what would take place if they did not turn from their sin and to the Lord. Prophecy declared events in the future to encourage people today to better obey the Lord. That's what Peter did when he said in 2 Peter chapter 3, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. If we read all of chapter 5, we would find the condition of the nation of Israel. I'll give you an outline of the chapter in just five words, six words. First of all, they were a people of covetousness. They were a people of drunkenness. They were a people of carelessness. They were a people of deception, a people of pride, and a people of injustice. We'll learn more about that this evening, those six things in the message tonight. He tells them the condition of their nation in chapter 5 and in chapter 6. The good king... Uzziah has died. For young Isaiah, the outlook was bleak. His beloved king had died. His nation was in peril. 
And there was very little that Isaiah could do to change it. However, Isaiah makes a statement in verse number 1 that is so important. If you think of chapter 5 and what he said to describe the nation, you come to chapter 6 and he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, then he makes this statement. I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. You know what he's saying? I don't know what your burdens are today, but there's something else going on in your life. God is with us. Also, does not do away with one of two things. It says both things are present. But rather than me focusing on the problems of, of the day, I'm going to focus on the solution of the day. I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne. The outlook may have been bleak, but the uplook was glorious. God was still on his throne, and he reigned as a sovereign king of the universe. And from heaven's viewpoint, the whole earth was full of God's glory. Sometimes we miss the goodness of God because of the difficulties that we see and face around us. I want you to look at verse number 2. Above it, talking about the throne of God, stood the seraphims. Each one had his wings. With twain, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You look at chapter 5 and Isaiah would say, The whole earth is full of sin. But when he saw it, don't miss it. When he saw it through God's eyes, he didn't see the whole world as full of sin. He saw the whole world as full of God's glory. There is an alternative thing that we can focus upon this morning. And no matter what the difficulty or burden or battle, God is still in control. I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. I want to say this morning, when your world tumbles and turns upside down, it is good to look at things from heaven's point of view. We sang it a while ago, and it's true, we're on the winning side. Throw at me what you will. Talk about the problems. Tell us, and I'm not ignoring those. He didn't say, I, uh, I ignore the problems. He said, also, along with the difficulty, even though Israel is mired in sin, even though the good king, the righteous king has died, I want you to see above it all, is God still sitting on his throne as the sovereign God of the world? Now, just as sure as you're in a storm of life this morning, the Lord Jesus is close by you. Did you hear me? Just as sure as you're in a storm this morning, the Lord Jesus is close by you. The purpose of my message this morning is not to convince you you don't have any burdens or difficulties. I can't do that because they're real. They are there. I want you to look at something else. I want you to see something also. I want you to see that in every storm, Jesus is with you. In every battle, God is present. In every burden, His strength is made perfect in our weakness. 
Now, if you read through the Bible, you will find this reminder in every book of the Bible. I'm not going to give you all of those, but I'll give you a sampling. For example, Deuteronomy 31 and verse number 6. God says, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not. Be not afraid of them. He didn't say the enemy didn't exist. He didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid of them. Why? For the Lord thy God, he it is that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. He's saying to the children of Israel as they're going to leave uh, the land of Egypt and go into the land of Canaan, you will face enemies, you will face difficulties, but I want you to keep your focus not on the problem, but on the God who is the answer to the problem. The God who is the strength over the, weak, uh, over the weakness. The God who is the victory in the battle. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He saw also the Lord. When did you see him last? When did you talk about him last? Uh, we put in the paper of the problems. Somebody ought to put in the paper there's an answer to the problems. Uh, we talk about on the news what the difficulties are. Somebody ought to broadcast, and that's my job this morning. I'm not a Fox News commentator. I'm not telling you uh, what's wrong with the world. I'm telling you what's right in heaven and that God's in control and that God can also be seen in our difficulty. I love this verse in Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You know what he's saying? Yes, you need strength, and I'm the one to give it to you. Yes, you need wisdom, and I have the wisdom that you need. Also, you say, Lord, but there's a burden. But, Lord, there is a battle. But, Lord, there is a sickness. There's something also that you can see this morning, and you can see that God is with us. That uh, minor prophet Zephaniah wrote these words in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse number 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. <laughs> Isn't that good? He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know, victory is not the absence of an enemy. It's the defeat of one. God doesn't come to us and say, you don't have an enemy. He just says, I'm your strength over the enemy. What are we focusing on this morning? What we focus on is important in our Christian life. Let me give you another one. Romans 8, 38 and 9, Paul writes to the Christians that are at Rome and he said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know there have been times that even they attempted to take the preacher and put him all alone so he would have no influence with others. He wouldn't have a voice. They put John on the island of Patmos. 
The island of Patmos was used to put prisoners on. There was no vegetation there. And often they'd put them there and let them starve to death. They said, we'll fix old John. Uh, we won't, we'll take away his crowd. We'll take away his fellowship. Oh, but the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard a voice behind me as of a mighty trumpet. And God met with John on the island of Patmos. Some may look at that, at that island as an island of rocks and an island of death and an island of, of, of depression. John said, well, that's where I met the Lord. That's one of the sweetest places I've ever been in all my life. I saw also the Lord. I want to say this morning, God's in our storm. God's in our battle. God's in our difficulty. Don't miss the statement now. The thing that we choose to focus on determines our spirit, determines our attitude, and determines our behavior. What am I focused on this morning? I'm not denying burdens and difficulties. We have so many of those around us today. And, it, and they're on the news 24-7 telling you what all of those are. But dear folks, I see in the midst of all these things, I see the Lord sitting on his throne in heaven as a sovereign God in control of all things. Also. I saw also the Lord. When you look at any, any difficulty or challenge in the Bible, the thing that gave victory is what the person in the battle was focused on. All of them. Think of Daniel. And Daniel was told, now you can't pray anymore to the God of heaven. Uh, the king has made a law. He's made a decree. He's sealed it with his ring. You can't pray anymore to the God of heaven. You can't do that. The Bible says that Daniel went into his room and he opened his windows toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times as he had aforetime, morning, noon, and night. And they said, Daniel, uh, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And they did. But you know what Daniel focused on? Not the lions. He focused on the Lord that was with him. It's interesting. You read the story. You know who couldn't sleep that night? The king that had him thrown in there. The king couldn't sleep. The king couldn't rest. He came to Daniel and he came to the uh, mouth of where uh, that place was where Daniel would put in that den with lions. Uh, and he called out to Daniel and Daniel said, Oh, king, live forever. Everything's all right down here. Me and the Lord's been having a good time. What are we focused on this morning? Now, I want to tell you something. It's work to focus on the Lord. It is. It is work because we constantly hear and we constantly feel and we constantly see and we're dealing with the difficulties of life. But if we focus as what Isaiah did, I saw also, I saw also the Lord. I didn't just see the condition of Israel. I saw the Lord. I didn't just see the death of the good king. I saw also the Lord. I didn't see just the hatred of those toward me and the representation of righteousness. I saw also the Lord. And as we look back in history, you know who the victor was? Isaiah. Isaiah. You recall the disciples, they were in more than one storm. Sometimes they were in storms in their work. Sometimes Jesus sent them directly into a storm. They were in a storm, and Jesus came walking to them on the water. They didn't know who it was at first. They thought it was just a spirit. They recognized then that it looked like Jesus. And you know what Peter said? 
I don't know how things came into Peter's mind like they did. I don't know. Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. If that had been me, I said, Lord, if it was you, hurry up and get over here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why Peter fought like that. He, he, I, I like him, though. I like him. If we're picking teams, I want Peter on my side. And, 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 and the wind, the Bible says, was boisterous. And the, and, and the rain was falling. It was a terrible storm. And Jesus is in the midst of that storm. If it's you, Jesus, bid me come unto thee. You know what Jesus said? Come. If that had been me, I said, what would you say? Come a little closer so I can hear you. So I can hear you. you know what Peter did? He stepped down out of the boat and Peter walked on the water. We can be critical of Peter for what he said and the fact that he sunk. But he walked on the water more than anybody has. You know what caused him to go under? Not because of the storm. He quit looking at the master. He took his eyes off Jesus. Now, putting your eyes on Jesus, that doesn't do away with the storm. The storm is still there. And it was there until Jesus got in the boat. And a while later, as he spoke and he calmed the storm, uh, but he didn't take away the storm. He just saw Jesus in the storm. Perhaps you're in the midst of a storm today. The winds and water are blowing against your face. You can see the rain. You can feel the wind. And the outlook is bleak. I say today, look, in the midst of that storm, somewhere is Jesus. In the valley of death, he is there. Let me show you something beautiful. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. The book of Acts, the first five chapters are adding to the church. Chapter 6, they're multiplying. The church is growing by leaps and bounds. Stephen is a preacher a preaching deacon. And he, he's, he's talking about the history of Israel. He told him, he said, God sent you his prophets and you stoned them. And he, he just went through their sins. And notice what happens in verse number 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. They didn't just leave the assembly. I mean, they, ran, they were so angry at Peter. They screamed and they yelled at him. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. You see it? And saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. They thought they were putting a voice out. They were going to silence a voice. Stephen left this world not seeing those that were stoning him, but seeing Jesus also. Also. Yes, there are folks who hate me. There, yes, there are folks who want to take my voice and take my life. But there's something also that needs to be seen. 
I see also the Lord and Jesus is not in his normal position seated at the right hand of the Father but he has given Stephen a, Stephen a standing ovation as he's standing at the right hand of the Father. They laid his clothes at the feet of a young man whose name was Saul. They didn't stop the voice, they multiplied the voice. What gave the victory? What he looked at. What he focused on, seeing is not just a glance, it's to focus on. And that's exactly what he did in the valley of death, he is there. In the valley of discouragement, God is there. In the valley of disappointment, God is there. In the valley of doubt, God is there. Do you know Thomas doubted? They said, Thomas, Jesus has risen from the grave. He said, I don't believe it. And I won't believe it until I see. You know what Jesus did? He let him see. He said, look here, Peter. Look here. Look at my side. Look, I am the Lord. I am the Savior. I am the Christ. And, and Thomas then saw not just the things that caused him to doubt. He saw Jesus. And in the time of doubt, dear friend, Jesus is there. In the time of defeat, he's there. Psalm number 51, David found victory. David found victory when he went to God confessing his sin to the Lord. I want to say this morning, we must make a decision to see him also. Are you in one of those valleys this morning? Are you in a valley of defeat? Are you in a valley of despair? Are you in a valley of discouragement? Are you in a valley? Can I tell you? Uh, this book uh, records uh, one story and, uh, of difficulty and battle after another. You know why? Because our world is tainted by sin and there's a curse upon this world. Oh, but dear friend, those that enjoy the Christian life and have victory in their life, they're the ones that say, I see the problems. I see somebody else also. Yes, I see the difficulty, but I also see somebody else. I, I, I do feel the weight of the burden, but I also see somebody else. I see a God who is able. I see a God that loves me. I see a God that wants to help me through the difficulty and through the storm. Take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is a story of a man that has gone from addiction to demonic oppression. I mean, this man in Mark chapter 5, in Mark chapter 5, is, is, is a most frightening story. This story in Mark chapter 5 reminds me of a man I met in the Perry County Jail. I preached there every Saturday morning for a long time, and I want a lot of people to Christ in the county jail. There are folks here today, they're family members, and a fellow told me the other day, he said, you witnessed to my brother and led him to Christ in the Perry County Jail. I've led a lot of folks to the Lord there. I never had anybody get up and walk out while I was preaching in the jail, never one time. Some of them fell asleep, but I never had anybody walk out on me while I was preaching in the county jail. I was preaching in, 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 in the Perry County Jail then. They have a new jail now. But there, was, there were four cell blocks on the men's side. And uh, I would stand in a corner. Uh, and, of course, this crowd right here could see me well, the one in that corner and that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
they, I'd see their head at the bars, and then on the other side, of course, they couldn't see me. And, and I would go from corner to corner each Saturday, and, and I, I, would, I would preach like that on Sunday morning, uh, Saturday morning. One morning, I, I was standing there preaching, and there was a gray steel door behind me, and I'd never paid any attention uh, to that door. Uh, but that door, it had just a, just a little flap like this uh, on, a, on a hinge, and somebody from the inside pushed it open. Boy, I stepped away. And I looked in there, and there was, there was a man in there, and it was a solitary confinement cell, just small. It just had a bed, and that, that's all that was in there. After the service that day, I asked the jailer who was a friend of mine. In fact, he made me a deputy jailer so I could come and go when I wanted to. I could go in and witness or visit any of the folks in the jail, and, and, uh, and, and, and I would work to help their families. And I said to the jailer after the service that day, I said, who is that in the one small cell there? Oh, he said, haven't you heard? And he, and, and he told me of a news story, and I had heard the news story, but never dawned on me to be in jail. He had murdered a woman uh, that past week. It was, a, it was a terrible murder. And I'll never forget when I went back the next week, they said he wants to talk to you. And I, I, I started talking to him, and he said, I want you to know I didn't kill that woman. He said, the person that lives inside me did. And he started talking about demons, and, I, and boy, I was glad he was in there and I was out, outside. I mean, it scared me. I don't like to talk about that. And I told him I have a, I have a little cross in my desk right now uh, that he made me and, and, and he gave me. And, uh, but his life was a mess because of not only addiction but demonic oppression and of being a part of all of that sinful thing. It reminds me of what happens here. I want you to look at the story. Mark chapter 5, verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately <clears throat> there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, friend, that's one town I wouldn't live in. They've done everything for this man, trying to tame him to the place that they tried to chain him and couldn't hold him with chains. Look at verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus... <laughs> but when he saw Jesus but when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshipped him I want to say this morning I don't care where sin may have taken you whether you're watching me here this auditorium or online I don't care how far sin has taken you in the depths and darkness and despair of sin. 
one look at Jesus. Jesus can change your life. Can you hear all of the reasons as to why this man could never be saved? Can you hear everyone describing, oh, we've done everything. We put him in this program and we tied him up. We tied him with chains. We've done all this. Nobody can tame this man. The problem is he'd never seen the master. I want to say this morning, it doesn't matter what your sin or what your addiction or the depths of your sin this morning. If you look at the Savior who died on the cross to pay for your sin and to forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed, put your name in the Lamb's book of life, never impute sin to your account anymore. Jesus can set you free and Jesus can make you a new creature in Christ. All week the world is going to tell you what to look at. You're going to look at the stock market, see that yo-yo and say, oh my goodness. You're going to look at the attack on law enforcement and you're going to say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You're going to hear the reports from Washington and oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Look at all of these problems. Here's what I want to say. I saw also the Lord. Stand with me, if you will. I'm glad this morning there's something else I can focus my eyes and my attention on other than the problems. And it's not just something else to look at. It's one who has more strength and power than all of the things of this old world. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Jesus loves you this morning, and he wants you to have eternal life. You, say, you may say, preacher, but my sins are many. I want to say, look also at Jesus, the Savior of men. You may be here as a Christian. You're discouraged in life. You're disappointed in life. I ask you this morning to put your focus also on the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that here this morning, they need to trust you as their personal Savior. Pray for those here this morning, they're under the oppression, the addiction of sin and Satan. I pray, Lord, that they would look to you this morning to set them free. I pray for those that are carrying real and heavy burdens. I'm glad, Lord, you can carry those burdens for us and with us. May we focus on you. I pray for decisions that should be made this morning. I pray that they will be in Jesus' name I pray.